For the first time in four years, Apple is the king of smartphones. We'll discuss that and a new $3,000 foldable phone you probably will never get your hands on. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Here to break down all the mobile news is Eli Blumenthal. Welcome, Eli. Thank you for having me back. So let's start with the smartphone rankings. Gartner just came out with its report for the fourth quarter and said that Apple had tapped, topped Samsung in the fourth quarter. What happened? Yeah, so Gartner put out that Apple sold 79.9 million iPhones in the fourth quarter, a 14.9% increase year over year. Samsung sold 62.1 million phones in the quarter, which dropped nearly 12% from where it did in 2019. Apple usually has a strong fourth quarter when it comes to iPhone sales. Fourth quarter is usually when they come out with new iPhones. It's the holiday shopping season, the perfect storm year in and year out for people wanting to get new iPhones. And this year, they actually had a pretty sizable improvement with the iPhone 12 with 5G and a slightly new design. There was a lot that really worked well. Right. And Samsung had previously reigned supreme in smartphones, not just because of its flagships like the Galaxy S franchise, but its large portfolio of phones that cover virtually every price point. So how did Apple topple Samsung given that it has a far more limited lineup. You know, it's got its flagship phones, it's got, you know, one or two more budget-friendly devices, but generally, you know, it stays at the high end. So how is Apple able to surpass Samsung in the fourth quarter? Well, one of the things we saw during this recent iPhone cycle, at least in the United States, and from what I saw, Gardner wasn't breaking down how it was in the U.S. versus globally, uh, Apple stopped putting out iPhone unit sales a while back. But in the U.S., Apple had a lot of support from the carriers. You saw carriers like AT&T and T-Mobile basically giving away iPhones to both new and existing customers. Even Verizon, the largest carrier in the U.S., had a whole bunch of promotions where even if you weren't adding a new line or switching, you could upgrade if you're willing to finance it for 30 months, which keeps you tied to the carrier for a very long period of time. You can get a brand new iPhone for as low as nothing. And that probably uh, helped a lot. We saw that with some of the carrier results uh, earlier in the month and last month that uh, the uh, the this these promotions really did help uh, drive people. Right. And overall, the smartphone market, initially it seemed like it was going to take a big hit from the pandemic uh, and with the economic recession going on. Overall, though, for 2020, how were phone sales, not just iPhone sales, but phone sales overall? Well, phone sales overall, millions and millions of people still bought phones, but a lot of major manufacturers did see drops. Huawei, uh, which has had a tumultuous year at best, um, they, according to Gartner, declined 41% year over year and sold 34.3 million phones. They were one of the biggest manufacturers in the world. Uh, they got hit a lot by U.S. sanctions and, and sanctions abroad uh, that limited where they could sell their phones. Uh, Xiaomi actually sold 43 million phones. That was an increase, but there's a, just a lot of moving and shaking. It doesn't seem like uh, a lot of people were upgrading the same way they would upgrade other appliances last year when they're stuck at home because you're at home. You're on, you know, there's no real incentive to go buy a new 5G phone if you're stuck on Wi Fi. And Apple got a big boost from the launch of its iPhone 12 lineup, as you noted. Going forward, do you think that Apple will be able to protect its lead, or was this sort of a blip because 
It was a new phone. It was the holiday shopping season. As you said, it was a bit of a perfect storm for the company to vault over its competitors. Or do you think this is indication of a longer-term trend where Apple sustains its lead? That's always the the multi-billion dollar, I guess, since Apple's valued at over a trillion dollars. Trillion dollar question, because uh, iPhones make up a significant portion of their uh, their annual sales. It's hard to say. Never count out Apple as far as, you know, will this year be the year that the iPhone finally, you know, falls off? It's been well over a decade. They continue to, even on years where it seems like the improvements are minor, they still continue to get millions to flock to it. It's hard to see the iPhone fad ever ending. Right. Conversely, what has the reaction been to Samsung's latest Galaxy S21 lineup, which really would be the key to making sure that Samsung has a chance going forward against Apple. The critical response has been fantastic. Uh, a lot of people have been really praising the, the Galaxy line. Our own Patrick Holland uh, gave it excellent marks in his reviews of the S21 Ultra and the S21. Uh, they hit a variety of price points. How they're doing in sales, we, we I don't know exactly yet. I think it's a little early. The, the phones only came out uh, a few weeks ago, so it's, it's a little premature to say how they're doing uh, on the scale that we're talking about with Apple. But Samsung has been doing promotions heavily. They always do. That's one of the things with Samsung. Like They'll announce a phone to $1,000, and you can very easily find it for with trade-ins, even half that price on their website, sometimes as soon as the day of the event. Um, and I know they've, they've started to do more promotions now. You could read into that if you want, uh, but that's something that they always do. So it's hard to get a full reading on if the S21 is going to flip the fortunes around. It's worth noting that even you know with the drop in sales last year, Samsung still, according to Gartner, was the top phone seller in 2020 with 253 million units. Got it. So let's talk about that other handset maker you referenced earlier, Huawei. And this is a company that was a market leader, a global market leader, despite the fact that it doesn't have a presence in the U.S. at all. Um, you talked a little bit about this before with sanctions, but for our listeners who don't have all the backstory, can you talk a little bit about Huawei phones, the controversy there, and, and really why it took such a big, big sales decline over the, the last really the last half of the year? Well, they were, as mentioned, they were, they were dealing with sanctions from the U.S. government. Uh, the Trump administration had a long battle with Huawei that spanned over a year, uh, I believe. Uh, it's, it's been so long that I, I lost track of it. How far back did it go, Roger? You covered this fairly intensely. I mean, yeah, if you look at the, the fact that they went and arrested the the CFO. They had the Canadian authorities arrest the CFO. That that was about at this point. I want to say almost two years. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, two years. So uh, a little bit more than two years. So it's been going on for a while now. Uh, and uh, the latest sanctions, as you know, uh, specifically what it did was basically remove the ability to have uh, U.S. components, U.S. software, things like Google services like Gmail or the Google Play Store, which Outside of the China market, that is a, a real crippling blow for a, a handset maker, right? When when you're selling an Android phone, but it doesn't have a lot of those cool core Google services that you rely on. Exactly. And it's something that you see even in the new uh, Mate X2, their new folding phone. They're very expensive, nearly $3,000 folding phone. Um, it's using not a Snapdragon processor. It's using one of Huawei's own Kirin 
chips. Right, and there were some questions about whether it be it would be able to use its Kieran chip going forward because that processor also contains some IP, some components that are supplied by U.S. companies, which would put in violation of these sanctions. Uh, let's talk about the the Mate X2 because that uh, obviously the company made some waves back in 2019 with the original Mate X. You know that was sort of the height of the foldable uh, frenzy. Uh, last year, obviously, I think a lot of the, the excitement or luster around foldables fell because, well, people weren't really in the mood to spend thousands of dollars on a phone. Uh, the first one was $2,400, and this new one, as you noted, cost $3,000, so even more money, uh, which is kind of the opposite of what we've seen from other foldable devices where the prices have been falling. What can you tell me about this thing? Why is it $3,000? It's a... Lovely foldable, it looks like. I, I didn't use the Mate X. I think you did, if I remember correctly. You used the original one, which had a different design that had the screen fold back behind the phone. This one looks kind of like the Galaxy Fold 2, uh, for those in, in the U.S. Or, or around the world who've seen Samsung's latest foldable, which looks like a bargain compared to the, the, the nearly $2,800 Huawei is charging. Um, it's got all the top specs you'd expect as for a $3,000 or nearly $3,000 folding phone, it's got a 50 megapixel wide angle camera. It's got uh, Huawei's latest chip. It's got a ton of RAM. It's got beautiful displays. The outside has a fold display, you know, top to bottom, no real bezels. It opens up to a, a lovely looking tablet. Again, according to the renders, we haven't seen it, or I haven't seen it because I'm in the US and this thing is not going to seemingly expand outside of China anytime soon. Uh, but all those components add up. They, they're not cheap. The, the design that needs to go into there and the R&D work all adds up. It's all factored in, I'm sure, to that very, very nice nearly $3,000 price. Yeah, you mentioned the Mate X didn't sell it outside of China. It did just release there. Do you think that the Mate X2 will get you know, get a chance to shine outside of China or do you think it's going to be limited to just the Chinese market? That depends on China-US relations. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Biden administration handles that. If they decide, we, we saw that China, when they want to prioritize telecom, we saw with ZTE, they're able to negotiate to bring ZTE back. Maybe. I, I'm not an expert in geopolitical affairs by any stretch. Is it possible that China and the U.S., when they are negotiating some of their many differences, they find an agreement for Huawei? I feel like that, that could be possible, at least for the consumer phone division, which this operates under. Yeah, there are a lot of possibilities. We'll see what happens. It's it's obviously a very complicated area. And yes, neither of us are really geopolitical experts. Uh, so we'll leave that to uh, folks in D.C. But we'll see. There's It's a, it's a cool phone. I, I think there's going to be a resurgence of foldables and rollable phones this year. Um, but we'll see what happens with the Mate X2. Eli, thank you for your time. You can check out our mobile coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.